Is we live? Is we live? Is we live? Yes, yes. You're now tuned into the rare podcast, and of course, I'm your host of the boss, NK, aka the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. It's been a minute, guys. I can't lie. It's been a minute since I've seen you, man. But you know, we back. We back in action. You know, you know, some things have changed, but rare still rare. Do you know what I'm saying? But today, I'm not alone. I am joined by a very special guest, you know. I will allow him to introduce himself. You know, you might have seen him on your TikTok, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, <laughs> talking all sorts of crud. Not but... me, not me, not me. <laughs> not me. That's a Rico charge. <laughs> when I catch Alex. Anyway, yo, Atlas, you know what time it is. Um, AOT podcast. Yeah, man, love thank you for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. No, nah, but it's, it's a pleasure. It's just appreciated, nah, man. We appreciate you coming on, man. Because nah. obviously we linked up through rest things. We got rest things. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so we have so much of comments, like, but both Congolese, like the same, like wrestling. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll yeah. Just be, If you follow us on Twitter, I'm so sorry, women. You're just going to see us tweet about wrestling. I'm nah, so sorry. Nah, do you know what? It's That's like, just I remember, it is I was, what it is. I was having a, <laughs> a, a back and forth. See, the thing is, I tweet a lot about wrestling. I tweet a lot about everything. But yeah. I was having a back and forth with one brer. On um on, on my timeline, and he tweeted something mad weird like about about like wrestling, and I was like, "Gee, why are you tweeting like women don't follow you? <laughs> like, stop tweeting like that, bro." I don't know what it is. Sometimes I will tweet something, I'm all there tweeting like fucking masala matches and that, and I'm like, "Yo, the hoes are gonna fuck it is what it is, isn't it?" <laughs> but I'm not trying to scare the hoes and that, but. Look, hey, man, man the, take me as I am because yeah. this is this is what it's gonna be. I can't lie, nah, it's, it's gonna true, be. It's true, it's true. But yeah, but before we get into it, we like to do a little segment called Rare Moment of the Week, where we like to spotlight a creative innovator, just someone who we think needs the attention and the accolades. So, Atlas, who is your rare moment of the week? Raven Lene. Raven Lene. Um, I'm, I think she's twenty four. Yeah, right. Last time she dropped an album would have been May of last year, so she would have been 23. Yeah. I'm here to make the case that Raven Lene is a generational talent. Mm. If you look at her body of work from when she dropped her debut EP, when she was, she would have been 16 in 2015, yeah. Moonshoes. When she dropped, from dropping Moonshoes in 2015 to dropping Midnight Moonlight in 2017, Crush in 2018, I believe, and then Hypnos in 2022, not to mention all the features she's done with Sabah and Smino, Mick, Jen Mick Jenkins, and No Name. If you just look at the totality in the body of her work, everything she managed to achieve by the age of 23, I don't know if you I can look at- I didn't know she was that young, I can't That's lie. what I'm saying. I don't know if you can look at anyone in this generation who's got that body of work at that, at that age, not to mention the talent, mm. come up singing in the church. And that's the reason why R&B ain't what it used to be, because you niggas ain't singing in church no more. <laughs> niggas ain't singing in church no more, B. You get me? You ain't growing up in the church no more. You're not nah, getting man. that. You get, you're not getting that, 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 that soul in, 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 in the middle of your chest. Them runs ain't hitting the That's same song. Like, when like, I listen to old school Jodeci, I'm like, damn, yeah. man grew up in the church. That's what I'm saying. You can Mary, tell. you grew up in the church. You can tell. But Raven Lene is generational talent. Like, I saw her in concert in May. Okay. And I said this on Twitter yesterday. I'd be tweeting videos of that concert constantly when my singing is so embarrassing in the background. But no, nah, she's incredible. She's incredible. In terms of lyrically, her ear for beats, her vocal range, mm -hmm. incredible, incredible. One of the, I, I wouldn't even classify her as R&B. She does kind of delve into R&B, but you can tell she's very inspired by the Neo Soul. Yeah. She's very much like a Neo, I would say like she's like a kind of new age Neo Soul artist. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Raven, Raven and is my... 
I, I would say she's she's my pick. No. I was gonna I was gonna highlight Maria Isabel as well, who I love, but it's Black History Month, isn't it? So yeah, 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 yeah for there. sure, for sure. But shout out Maria Isabel as well. She's amazing. She's another amazing singer as well. Nah, big up, big up, brave in the name. I've been a fan. I, like I won't say I've dove into her catalogue like too deep, but I remember like when I was going through like the Sabah, Speedo, Bit Jenkins. Like when, when I was when I was discovering them, man. Raven and they popped up with, 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 with bare songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, raw. Her and Smino do a lot of work together. Yeah, they do a lot of work together, yeah. man. So bigger up, man. Uh, my rare moment of the week is the homie, um, Akuya Daniela, Town of Tawia. Um, You know, she's back on YouTube, man, providing, you know, some of the best video essays um, in the game when it comes to like film, television, and even just social analysis. Like um, Akuya Daniela is like one, like the best in my opinion, this country, one of the best this country has to offer. She recently did a video um, comparing um, joint analysis between the Boondocks and Atlanta. Okay. Like, just dope content. And mm-hmm. yeah, man, she's even on TikTok now. You know, I've been happy to see her just make content on TikTok and definitely, like, just check her out. If, if you're into video essays, if you're into analysis, if you're into all of that, you know. Yeah, that's becoming a thing now. Yeah, for but sure. I like, see, like, book talk. Oh, obviously, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she's even made a, she made a TikTok um about um can't remember what book it was specifically but she was just talking about book talk as a whole in it yeah. but yeah big up uh, McCree Daniela for your cultural commentary yeah big but up, um big up. yeah man listen we're gonna do like a quick icebreaker quickly we're gonna do a simple game of this or that okay I'm a, I'm gonna give you two options mm. you pick this or you pick that Got all me. right yeah cool. cool let me have it pause <laughs> all right cool DiCaprio or De Niro. DiCaprio, only because he's in my favorite movie of all time. Mm. DiCaprio. I'm so sorry. I love Robert De Niro, but DiCaprio, because he's in The Departed, so. Bieber, Justin Bieber journals or Justin Timberlake justified? Justified, sorry. Charles Rapper, Acid Rap or Mick Jenkins, The Waters? Acid Rap. Raven Lene or Cleo Soul? Raven Lene. Easy, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Goodfellas or The Departed? The Departed. Batman or Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man. Mm. All right. That's what I'm trying to hear. Because if they... Listen, bro. That's what I keep saying about Batman, bro. If, if, if Peter Parker and Bruce Wayne link up playing clothes and rock it out, who's winning? Yeah, Peter Parker. There you go. I don't say it's prep time and that and this and that. <laughs> Come on, bro. If they buck in the middle of Brixton High Road and, it's not, and they got to knuckle up, mm. who's winning? Spider-Man's rapping him. But do you know what it is? I think... I don't know. I all, I think Spider Spider Man overall, I prefer Spider Man to Batman, but I just it's not. Like, I like Batman not just because of Batman, but I just think Gotham yeah. as a setting, as a city, mm-hmm. is just like I'm so intrigued just to see like Gotham relating content. Yeah, just like to see like okay, what's Penguin doing? Mm-hmm. What's Riddler on? What are these man on? I don't get me wrong. Spider Man has like a top tier rose gallery too in it. But it's just the city of Gotham just feels... It feels like the comic book city that I understand the most. I just understand, like, from the politicians mm-hmm. to the policemen to... Bro, we even un, we even got cats like Hugo Strange who are psychiatrists. Yeah. Like, under, like, I feel like it's a very well... Um, it's a very well-written city and we just have so much law and history to Gotham where it's just like... That's why Batman will always intrigue me. Do you know what I will say? I would be rather if we were to compare the two in terms of like them in relation to their universe and how they exist. Yeah, I would be very interested in like a Gotham, like a Gotham Gotham related media that has nothing to do with Batman. You get me? Mm. Like I would, I would watch 
a Gotham show that was not even about like like they were even the show Gotham, yeah, right? Gotham show Gotham. That was interesting. Yeah. It got a bit wacky towards the yeah, end. Yeah, it did. But when it was good, it was good. And that didn't really have much to do about Batman. That was more about Gordon and he before he was commissioner yeah. and all the goings on of the city. I don't know if you could do that for Spider Man. I don't know if you took if you took Spider Man out of New York in his universe. Yeah. And kind of had the TV show or whatever about Spider-Man. I don't know if it would hit the same. Yeah. But if you're comparing, for me, if you're comparing Spider-Man and Batman as the, the characters, to me, mm. I'm a Spider-Man guy, innit? Yeah. I'm a Spider-Man guy. Yeah. Nah, hey. But I do, I do agree that Batman has the more intriguing universe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think Spider-Man's eternal. Spider-Man is just, the, it's the concept that we're, and we've even seen it now with the, with the, um, across the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. films and the into the Spider-Verse films and mm-hmm. even the video games that, mm-hmm. You could remix Spider-Man many different ways, but the story still hits. Except, I, I, I think it's time to say this. How do you feel about the Tom Holland films? Because I personally think yeah, we need to call a spade a spade. I feel like... Wait, okay, wait. Before I say what I'm going to say, are you saying this because you're not a fan? They're better than Andrew Garfield films. For sure. I'm a fan of Tom Holland. Yeah. Like, when he was cast as Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and he did the cameo he made in Civil War, mm-hmm. I was a fan. I said, the, the when it came to the wit, the, the quippiness, I just think, personally, and this is no shade to the director as a human being, I just think John Watts has done a very banged average job of Spider-Man. I don't so, think any of the movies are bad, but they're not awe-inspiring. And I think No Way Home is, 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 is just nostalgia bait. Can I be honest? I feel like the Russos handle the spat handles handle Spider-Man like the Russos handle most heroes better than like in terms of the way they, they made they made Thor look in, in um like Endgame. Black Panther. Black Panther, the way they made Spider-Man look in his cameo in um in Civil War and the way they made him look in the in um Infinity Endgame, War. In Infinity War. Yeah. You get me? And then you look at the way they look in their own movies. Like I, I, I was someone who was a like I was notorious for being like a big fan of Ragnarok. Yeah. Now I rewatched it like a couple months ago, and bro, I was like, mm. bro, I've said, you get me? I said, listen, me and Jimmy said this on the podcast, yeah, mm. I, and I said this before. I'll say this again. Ragnarok tricked us. Yeah. And I'll tell you why because the problems we have with with things like Love and Thunder mm-hmm. were showed their showed early signs in Ragnarok. Yeah. The stuff of valuing comedic timing over um narrative beats. I'll never forget mm-hmm. at the end of Ragnarok where obviously Asgard gets destroyed. Everyone, the remaining survivors of Asgard are looking at the planet being destroyed. And then you insert a Korg joke in there. And yeah. I'm like, this is the destruction of Thor's home. In yeah. deep in, let's deep the events of Ragnarok here. Or Thor's character as a whole. Thor lost his mother in the second movie. Mm-hmm. He just lost his father in mm-hmm. Ragnarok. And had his home planet destroyed. Mm-hmm. But then you're having Korg make a joke. Yeah. Like narrative, I'm just like. And Thanos is two seconds around the corner. It feel me. <laughs> Thanos is two seconds yeah, around yeah, the corner. Yeah. And then it's like, and then obviously that's why I, I even though I didn't like the fat four um dynam, um the fat four progression in Endgame, I understood where it came from. Yeah. But that's why to go to Love and Thunder. And it's like, wait, do you know how much tra- like Thor is probably the most traumatized character in the MCU in terms of what he's lost? And then we just have some upbeat comedy movie yeah, yeah, yeah. just about I, I, the thing is uh, attack, about Taika Waititi for me when it came to like um because ra- I like Ragnarok. Ragnarok was cool, but I never rated it that highly because yeah. I just felt like it became humor over the narrative mm-hmm. a, a little bit. I think Ragnarok had a decent balance of it, but then we yeah. saw. Okay, once you give Taika Waititi full creative freedom, no restrictions, we got yeah. Love and Thunder. And I'm yeah. like, 
Brother. The thing is with Love and Thunder, at least with Ragnarok, Ragnarok is like good enough. Yeah. Love and Thunder is just objectively not a good film. Yeah. You get me? And I say that to say this about Spider-Man is that I feel like sometimes these directors struggle with doing justice to the character when it's the case of, okay, now it's a solo movie. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think Homecoming's a bad film. No. It was just, it took ages for Tom Holland to beat the, to beat the Iron Boy allegations. You get me? Then... Far, Far From Home is the second one, right? Yeah. yeah, Far From Home as well. What I will say about... Okay, Far From Home to me, I got roasted in goggles. That Peter Tingle scene oh, this... is so amazing yeah. where I'm like... I, I don't mind I can Far just From be Home. Like, do you know what? Look, man, it's like, do you know what it's like, bro? It's like um, we're both big wrestling fans. It's like you watch a match here. Yeah? Let's say the match is 30 minutes long. Yeah? yeah. And let's say it's like a three and a half star match. Bro, there can be a five minute stretch where it's just sequences sprinting, where it's like, okay, that that itself adds another half star or another three quarter stars yeah. to it. And that's kind of how I feel about Far From Home. Yeah. The meat and potatoes of the film ain't great, but that scene, that Peter Tingle scene to me is so good where I'm like, and the way they built up throughout the movie where it was like, it's not working, it's not working. And when he needed it in yeah. that one moment, it worked. And the way the, the special effects is so amazing. But other than that, for, I'll tell you like, what I'm going to say is like, I've not watched it since then. Yeah. I've only watched that scene. I've gone on YouTube yeah. and been like, Peter Tingle scene. Yeah. Because I've got no interest in watching the whole movie. Yeah. You get me? And that's... And also... The other Spider-Man films are so rewatchable. The Raimi films are so rewatchable. Re Even Spider-Man 3, which is like, okay, a bad film. Yeah. Bro, that film, I, I've rewatched that film so many times yeah. because when, when Peter puts on the black suit, mm -hmm. iconic. Peter versus um, Harry both times. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. The ending sequence. Eddie in the, in the church begging for Peter's life. Bro, Peter versus Sandman. <laughs> in, 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 when they're fighting on the train tracks. Mm. Like, even though that movie's like a mess, there's still things I go back to and reach for. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the biggest disappointment for me when it comes to like the um, MCU trilogy of Spider-Man was, because I remember um, the press releases that were coming out that were saying, yo, going to be set in high school, you know, we were going to put emphasis on Peter's high school life, which mm -hmm. Raimi Trilogy didn't really do. By the time we got to the um, Amazing Spider-Man um, mm -hmm. series, he'd already graduated high school in the second movie, even though I think they did a decent job at portraying his high school dynamic yeah, the first in, one, in yeah. the first one. But they said the whole trilogy is going to be him, him in high school. But you know, what I've, you know what I've clocked as well about, about this is Amazing Spider-Man and also Spider-Man 1, the Raimi yeah. one, is that it's, you kind of you see his high school life but as soon as he gets his powers, we kind of move away from that. Yeah. It's like literally high school life, powers, one display of his powers in high school, Damn. and then we never see it again. Yeah. And it's like, no, we want to see more. Because How does Spider-Man operate in the real world? You get me? Because I, I, I didn't like aspects of Homecoming, but overall, I like Homecoming. Mm -hmm. But the thing about um, the trilogy, what I was expecting, I was expecting to see, okay, cool, now we're, now we're setting in high school. Let's see how a Flash Thompson interacts with Peter. Let's see the different relationships he's building with the high school students. And it's like, we get, we, we get their MJ, Michelle, and mm -hmm. we get Ned. And then everyone else is kind of just used for like, um, quick cameo, quick joke yeah. here and there. And it's like, you're not really using the high school setting to its fullest. And again, my biggest complaint, why is he away from New York so many yeah. times in the trilogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, like, like the, th the thing I said about Gotham, when it comes to Batman, is New York to Spider-Man. Yeah. I think to a somewhat lesser degree, but like Spider-Man is that like, his friendly yeah. neighborhood Spider-Man. And he's how, not even in the neighborhood. He's not even in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like how do the people react to, because Spider-Man, especially when it came to, um, when we said in Infinity War, mm. right? Infin in Infinity War, um, Spider-Man had the line to Tony, 
How can I be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's not a neighborhood to protect? So that's yeah. why he had to go to Thanos. You're never there. But he's never there. <laughs> all I get, all, all I get is um a quick um scene talking to the um boss man in homecoming about yeah. making a sandwich and he yeah. says Auntie's paying. I get a few, bro. How can we have a Spider-Man film where there's no iconic swinging sequences? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no swinging yeah. sequence where he's swinging through New York and the soundtrack is blasting that full pelt yeah, that yeah, I remember yeah. from that from, from the um Tom Holland trilogy. There's no, none right, of that. You're right, you're right. It don't feel like Spider-Man. Yeah. It feels like Spider- it feels like Iron Boy Jr. Yeah. featuring my Avengers friends. Like it's just like I don't and okay, cool. People are now saying, but now we finally got that because obviously now like Aunt May's dead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's living by himself. He's going to be primarily in New York. He's going to be a grounded Spider-Man. But it's like, it took us three movies to get here and the setup from Civil War was yeah. already there. Like Civil War was the perfect layup. It's like, they already established, okay, he's been Spider-Man a couple months. So he's got the technology, he's got the suits, mm -hmm. but he's not an established hero. I wanted to see Spider-Man become... New York's hero. Because Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, those are like the galactic heroes. Mm -hmm. Those are like the people that are going to save the entire world. Yeah. Neighborhood. Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I man. agree. I agree. I agree. I just feel like... I feel like the MCU has a bit of a problem. Mm. I've, I, I had said this on Twitter the other... Like, not the other day. It was a while ago, but it was like... Take the MCU in its totality. Remove... Um, Robert Downey Jr. Remove Chris Evans. How many eight out of ten MCU movies are there without the two of them? First Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Other than that, like without without yeah. Chris Evans. The thing is, I might give you Far From Home because the the nostalgia tax is so heavy. Like I, I'm not rewatching that movie, bro. I I've rewatched it a few times. And do you know what? My standards are so high when yeah. it comes to Spider Man. I hear it. Because the animated see this, bro. That those Miles Morales movies, I know yeah. it's a different medium, and I know you can do like just visually those movies just look different. But the story they've told for Miles from point A mm -hmm. to point B, mm -hmm. and they're telling multiverse stories with different Spider-Man, but Miles still feels like the most, most important, important character yeah, yeah, yeah. in that universe. And like that's and it's just like raw. And obviously with the video games. But the Spider-Man PS4 and now Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man 2 on PS5 is out. Mm -hmm. I haven't played that one yet, yeah, but the PS4 yet, yeah. one was so amazing yeah, when it yeah, came yeah, to Spider-Man storytelling. That's why yeah. I'm looking at the MCU. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is cutting it, but to answer your question, I'm really, I'm, I, I'm lost for... Maybe Guardians? Guardians. 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 The first Guardians. Guardians. Yeah, yeah, the first I Guardians. first Guardians and the third one. I've not seen the third one yet. Third one's know? really good. Yeah. Third one's yeah, really yeah. good. I'd say Guardians. I wouldn't put Ant-Man there, respectfully. Eight. Eight out of ten. I don't know about nah. eight. I don't know about eight. I don't know about eight. But certainly Guardians deserve yeah. to be in that conversation. The first Guardians and Black Panther, I'll give you eight out of tens. Other than that, Doctor bro, Strange, not really. Nah. Shang-Chi, not really. Yeah, I'd give them sevens. I'd give Doctor Black Strange. Black Widow, not really. Nah, definitely not. Um, Definitely not. But when I just look at like, even if you look at the best, best movies, it's like, the day, and I, I, I said this, I said this before Endgame even came out and it were basically, it was confirmed that Cap and Iron Man, that was going to be their last film. Whether they, however they were going to write them off, they were, that was going to be their last film. And I said, the MCU is going to have a problem about these two. I thought- The MCU is going to have a problem because how do you lose your two franchise players in one fell swoop? I hear it, but the reason why I wasn't mad at it is because 
the MCU made them franchise players. Yeah. It wasn't like no like, let's be real. Before 08, I mean we're all young, but before 08, ain't nobody saying when we were growing up in school, you know, talking about superheroes, talking about yeah, Batman, Captain America, Superman. Yeah, yeah. It was never Captain America. Yeah. It was never Iron Man. Yeah. The MCU elevated these men. Yeah. So I thought, okay, cool. They're gonna lose these fan these guys that are now franchise yeah. players. But then now you've got, for example, Benedict Cumberbatch for me is one of the best actors he is. in the world. Yeah. You've got him playing Doctor Strange. No problem. Obviously, yeah. rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. You had Chadwick Boseman as yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. Cool. I thought, do you know what? I think if Chadwick was still here, we'd be in a better position. I don't know. Do you think so? There's because, no franchise player, but you need a franchise player. I don't know. Like, you need that franchise player. Because Chadwick as much been as I that. love Black Panther, yeah. Black Panther's not in my top five. What, the film? Or... MCU. It's not my top five MCU films. What are your top five MCU films? Okay. Winter Soldier. Okay. Infinity War. Yeah. Civil War. Mm -hmm. Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And there's one more I'm missing. Maybe Black, maybe Black Panther, maybe, maybe might be five or six. Okay. But I don't, but immediately. What, what, okay, what is it? What is it in competition with for five or six? Guardians one. So, okay, Guardians is one. So you're basically your top four. Have Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. in it. You're making my point for me, NK. You're making my point. You just made my point for me. First, first, first. <laughs> you just made my point. First. Do you know what I mean? First. And it's like, yeah, they did build them up, but it's, you built them up to the point where it was like, we, especially Downey Jr. Because even if you look at Downey Jr.'s history, bro, he yeah. was like getting in trouble. He was a bit. Because yeah. even when they hired him as I'm, and people were like, well, we don't know if you want to yeah. hire him to be, you get me? Yeah. And it's like, he took that baton and just ran with it. And. Chris Evans, for whatever, I don't know what it was about Captain America, because Captain America, Captain America isn't an interesting character per se. No. But the Captain America... Because, and, we, and we saw that in his first movie and in the, in the Avengers movie. Yeah. In the first Avengers movie, nobody came out of that... Let me not say nobody. I came out of that movie thinking Captain America is my least favourite character. Yeah. I liked come, him in Avengers. Come win a soldier. Yeah. You didn't like him in Avengers? No, I didn't like I him. I liked him in Avengers. And do you know what I like about... This is what Captain America... Captain America and Superman are very, are very similar. Yeah. In a way where it's like, in some, in some shape or form, the Captain America and Superman movies, and I haven't read the comics as much from, from what I know, is these are, these are two men who... Both of them are fish out of water. Yeah. And they have iron will and iron morals. Yes. The entire the entire narrative is trying to see if they'll compromise those morals or yes. not and how far yeah, they're yeah. willing to go. Yes, for sure. You get me? But it's such a simple, it's such a, it's such a simple concept, yeah. but it's always told told so well. Yeah. And I feel like Winter Soldier, in, you know how you say you come out Winter Soldier thinking, do you yeah. know what I mean? Because to me, when you ask what's the best MCU movie, it's Winter Soldier. It's, hands down. I'm not even trying to hear anything else. It's like, Winter I'm Soldier. Not, for me, it's to the point where it's like, it should be objective. You yeah. get me? Like we say, what's the best wrestling match of all time? We know what the best wrestling match yeah, is of yeah, all yeah. time. You get me? It's like, who's the greatest rapper? It's like, that's the thing where it's like, you don't even argue it. But that's just a story of how far is this man willing to go to help his friend? It's always a case of how far is this man of morals willing to go? And also, even, even in Winter Soldier, the thing I love about it is that Cap's more like, the thing I love about Cap is that even though he had to change his perspective, because Cap, Cap's America grew up in like World War II, yeah. um, where, you know, it was very black and white. We are Americans. We are fighting against the great evil that is the Nazis later on, um, Hydra, right? Mm. Cool. But now in Captain America, his morals are kind of, his idea of the world is compromised because the agency he's working under, S.H.I.E.L.D., who, you know, back in the day, you know, were, you know, the um, pillars of like 
um, morality and virtue mm-hmm. are now compromised. Yeah. And even that, he even opposed Nick Fury in the beginning of the movie where Nick Fury was, was pro-surveillance, pro-restricting yeah, yeah, yeah. the will the of the people. Insight, yeah. And Steve was 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 flat out, no, yeah, flat yeah. Out, was flat out against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was flat out against it. And I love the fact that even though he had to like change his view on the world, he was ultimately still right in his morality mm. because he was still pro, he was still against a surveillance state. He yeah. was still against shield overstepping their boundaries. Turns mm-hmm. out they're now Hydra. Yeah. So, and now it's like, okay, I can't have my faith in the government. I can't have my faith in these um, bigger entities, which we see in civil war. Yeah. But now I just have to uphold my own virtues yeah. and be, and stand 10 tones down on the things I believe in. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like and he said it in civil war, agendas can change. Yeah. Organizations yeah, yeah, can change. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be the person to push the whatever agenda you have forward. Yeah, hundred percent. But I was, um, we saw this on Twitter. There was a podcast. Um, I, for, I actually forgot the name. I'm never trying to shade them. I forgot. I actually forgot the name. But they were talking about, um, you know, comic book films compared to you know films like Martin Scorsese, okay, and stuff like that. And the, the conversation of entertainment versus um, entertainment versus quality. Okay, and a lot of the, uh, there's been a disconnect between like, okay. The average, the average person will go and see an MCU film, right? Mm-hmm. But they won't necessarily go and see the latest Oscar bait movie. They won't see a King's Speech. They won't go and see, you know, these critically acclaimed films that appeal to like, you know, the Academy or the film buffs of the world. Do you think here yeah, that film, how do you view film? Like when you rate a good film, mm-hmm. are you comparing like an MCU film to the best Academy Award winning picture or do you just separate them categorically and rate things based on like their genre or what or whatnot? I feel like there's exceptions in every genre because we talk about Winter Soldier. I think Winter Soldier is a movie that you could put up there in the Academy. Yeah. I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie you could put up there in the Academy. Is that because Guardians is more comedic in tone though? Perhaps, but also it's a bit more punch and judy. It's a bit more slapstick. It's a bit more, you know, mm. I feel like, and this might be wrong of me, but I feel like there isn't as much of a space for comedy in that circle. Mm. It's a bit more highbrow. Mm. If you look at, like, I know you studied, you studied film, yeah. right? And it's like, I've studied English my whole life, basically. And there's like a, there's almost a certain esteem that comes with these things. Yeah. So even if you look at the most esteemed literature, or the most esteemed, we'll use film, because obviously we're talking about film, but you think of things like um, Godfather, Godfather, Apocalypse Now. Um, Citizen Kane. There's a there's a there's a theme in these films. There's a, there's always there's like a there's like a seriousness to them. There's a certain level of um gravitas. Exactly. No one really ever talks about comedy films in this vein because comedy is seen as something that's a bit more lower class, for lack of a better term, right mm. or wrong. Um, but then also there is the quality. Like a movie can be objectively good, but if it doesn't, if to me, if it doesn't tick certain boxes, I can't then put it. In the same vein. What box you know? does it have to tick? I feel like the plot has to be the most important thing. It's all about plot. It's all about building those themes underneath the plot. So we, for instance, we talk about Ragnarok. Ragnarok to me, the plot isn't even that important. It just it just it just feels like a movie that's there to function for jokes and entertainment rather than actually driving home a plot and sending a mm. message. Because what message do you go home with with, with, with like with Ragnarok. Mm. And then if you watch The Godfather, what message do you go do you go back with? Family. Family is the most important thing when you watch Godfather. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I just don't know if some of these if some of these these comic book movies 
carry that same. But then it's like, I think of different comic book movies. I think of A Winter Soldier. I think of A Watchman. I think of A Man of Steel. These are movies where I could put them in that esteem. Maybe. Man of Steel? Yeah. You yeah, Man of Steel like Man that? Of Steel is amazing. No, we, we're gonna have I to think talk, Man of Steel is amazing. We're going to have to talk amazing. about that. No, Do you like it? I like Man I of Steel. Man of I think amazing. Man of Steel is like a solid 7 out of 10 film. Yeah. I okay, think... for the sake of argument, I'll use, let's say Batman, for instance. Yeah. Pattinson's Batman. Yeah. Right? That's a movie where I could say, yeah. I, I think Bat Pattinson's Bat Batman is an artistic masterpiece. Masterpiece. I think masterpiece. visually... I was in the cinema for like an hour. I'm not kidding, bro. It felt like I was in there for an hour. I, I sat down and the movie finished. And I was like, where's all the time gone? Like, he was too long. I was like, that flew by. In terms flew of by. tone, the, and, 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 the, and the thing is, I've always rated Matt Reeves as a director. From, ever, from, from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes to like, when, the Planet of the Apes um, series. I know he didn't do the first one, but those yeah. two movies that he did, amazing. And what he did with the Batman, just in terms of, that's the most, when I, was, I spoke about Gotham in the beginning of the podcast, that's the most alive Gotham has felt on, in cinema. I love the Christopher Nolan films. Gotham felt like Chicago. Yeah. It, felt like, it felt like a backdrop to a city. And obviously, yeah. and, and, and the thing is about Batman, it was the most interested I'd been in Bruce Wayne mm -hmm. as a character mm -hmm. because it would there, there were there were so many things about the plot uh, just the way him and Riddler had um similar um had similar motivations to cleanse the city yeah. to rid the city of his crime and corruption but went about it in two ways and yeah. now how how the narrative of Batman can't be a symbol of vengeance he has to become a symbol of hope for these yeah. people and and. I just, I feel, and just visually, bro, the the lighting, the the cinematography, the sound, that yeah. the, that that Nirvana soundtrack throughout the movie. I just think that Matt Reeves Batman film is just for me. That's that's why I say it's the best Batman film. I know people put Dark Knight in the conversation. It's a better, better be a better film. Yeah, is it a better Batman film? No, no, no. Yeah, no. Like Dark Knight is like I look at Dark Knight as like, an amazing film, but as yeah. a Batman film, yeah. The Batman is. I the, think the yeah. Nolan trilogy is overrated. I I think Rises is over. I do. I think Dark Knight Rises is overrated, but I think Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Yeah, that's a one-two combination. That's just like. I think if they'd stuck the landing, I'd probably have a yes. bit more. I feel like Dark Knight Rises has a lot that it does well. I think the ending, the plot twist, lost it. me. Bane's death lost me. Talia, Talia, the introduction of Talia Al Ghul was like, yeah. okay, whatever. I feel like, I think Anne Hathaway is a better Catwoman than Zoe Kravitz, though. Ah! I, no, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Because we have to stop, see, I said this on Twitter as well, we have to stop doing this thing where we make it a beauty contest, because it's not a beauty contest, you get me, right? Anne Hathaway, to me, captured that kind of playfulness of Catwoman. I know they're different films. I know, I know they're different films, and I know what Matt Reeves was trying to do isn't the same as what Nolan was trying to do. But the Catwoman that I know, that playfulness, you get me? That kind of uh, um, juvenile part of her, of her personality. I feel like Anne Hathaway captured that way better than Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, she was more fun. Yeah. She was a lot more... But is that not what you think of when you think of Catwoman? Or is that just me? I do. You get me? But it, you know, okay. It's just, but the Batman Catwoman, I know that's got to do with like, but just the dynamic between yeah. Zoe Kravitz and Robert Patterson as that, mm -hmm. the bat and the cat. And maybe it's, it's got to do with a lot of the visuals. I'm just talking about how beautiful Zoe Kravitz yeah. is. I mean, just the way they're shot. Yeah. Like, I remember, I always, when I think of Batman and Catwoman, I always think of that scene when they're on the rooftop and the sun is setting and yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. the silhouette of Batman and Catwoman together. Yeah. I just think, like, visually speaking, when I see Catwoman, I see Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. But in terms of, like, their role in their particular films, Catwoman, um, and Hathaway's Catwoman was a more active participant in her film than Zoe Kravitz was. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz felt like 
a character that was very reactionary. I'm not going to call her a victim, mm -hmm. but she felt like a character that was very much on the back foot of things, where yeah. she never really got to take initiative when it came to situations yeah. where the first introduction we get to um, Anne Hathaway, I think it's her Robin Bruce. Yeah, she's Robin and Blind. Yeah, it's Robin Bruce. <laughs> you can't chase me. Yeah. And <laughs> she shows, up, and she shows up yeah. on the final act because of her own desires to show up. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Where with um, Zoe Kravitz Catwoman, it was more of a thing of like, okay, she wants to get back at Falcone mm -hmm. and ba Batman was using her the, the entire yeah. movie. Until John the... Totoro in that film. It's Falcone. Oh my God. Listen. Oh my God. Fuck. This oh my God. Listen. Oh my God. I, do you know what's about John Totoro, yeah? I, whenever I think of John Totoro, I always think of like him in like- um, Transformers. Transformers. Yeah, or yeah, I think yeah. of him in- When he gets um, stripped. Or think, what's that Spike Lee film? Um, is it Do The Right Thing? Is he in Do The Right Thing? I think that he, he, what's the one with Radio Rahim? Oh, it's, it's do the right do thing. The, he's, he's, yeah, he's in Do The yeah, Right yeah, Thing. Yeah. I think of him, I think of him in Transformers and Do The Right Thing. Yeah. So for me to like, take him seriously, like when he was cast, I was like, bro, this guy, I called it. This, guy, this guy's a joke, man. He's just, he fucking killed it, bro. He was fucking incredible. Listen, like, I'm bad with actors' names. Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Penguin. That's the best Penguin I've ever seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 this is the thing again. Why I love why I love Gotham and what, what the different pieces of Batman media have added to Gotham. I would love a, a Falcone series. I and, would love it. But, John Turturro playing. I would love it. And this love is why it. I felt like Matt Reeves' Batman felt like the most alive Gotham I've ever seen because I understood. But why am I, why do I have an understanding of the gang hierarchy in Gotham? Yeah. I understand. Okay, Falcone um, is the is the, is the top poncho. Um, Cobblepot is right underneath him. And then mm -hmm. they, these men control the criminal underworld from here. And then, oh my God, the Riddler. Riddler's my favorite, but it's been my favorite Batman villain since the Arkham games. Mm -hmm. He's been... Yeah. Paul Dano's yeah. Riddler. Yeah. I, I think that like, obviously it, it, it's, it's hard to come after Heath Ledger's Joker. I think every... Batman villain performance is going to get picked compared yeah, to Heath. Yeah, yeah. And Heath is just on a tier of his own, right? But that might be, aside from Heath, my favorite performance of a Batman villain in live action. Because Raisha, Ra's al Ghul, Liam Neeson, all right, cool. What else we got? We, we, we didn't get a Ben Affleck series, but we yeah. did. Um, we, we, we got, what's his name? What, what What's his name? Dark um, the um the, who played the Joker on Suicide Squad? Oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. Meh. Nah, like meh. We got Jack Nicholson Joker. Eight. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, he was good though. He was cool. He, he was, was good. He, he was, was good. good. Then we got um, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Come on, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on. Then we got Jim Carrey Joker. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Like so, the Batman bar when it comes to outstanding villain performances. I liked Bane. I liked Bane up until up until. Like two thirds into the movie, yeah. Like Bane was cold. Like when Bane he was cold. Playing in midair, like even the bit where um he's talking to I forget the politician or something. Yep. And the guy's trying it. to pat him. Yep. And he and he he's puts like, that hand on the shoulder. Just, the, the guy turns his head and Bane just Bane just fits his hand there. Oh man, and the guy uh, yes. freezes up. Yep. Oh. And he's like. Leave us. All right, nah, he was cold. Bane was cold and he went outside. No, it's even the scene where he's in the football pitch. We are taking my Gotham from the court. <laughs> no, I can't lie. Bane, Bane was, cold. was cold. He just went outside. Yeah. But Bane, Bane was, was cold. How did he get, he got shot, in it? Yeah, if I, um, Catwoman shot him with the, with the bike, innit? Nah, nah. But Catwoman shot but him with I, the bike. But I feel like. I and that's another thing about Matt Reese's Batman is that there's all these villains in there, but they don't feel cluttered. They don't. 
It doesn't didn't feel clear. Bro, you introduced Penguin, you introduced Riddler, you introduced so many like different components. Fal- Falcone's Falcone. there. Obviously, you have the Joker cameo mm. at the end of the movie, which eh, I could have done without because I think the Joker Joker's oversaturated. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he's always going to be a part of the Batman. Universe. I feel like they're they're too linked. Yeah, they're, they're just too linked. It's like you, you kind of have to. Mm. It's like you can't do Spider Man and not introduce Venom eventually. Yeah, it's just they're just too linked. I yeah. feel like at this point. It feels like they're just too linked. It's like destined to do this forever. You know what I mean? But the problem is Batman just has such a rich gallery of rogues that you do like you might reference Joker, but you don't need to like I don't want him like as the main villain of like at least to the third movie. Yeah. I feel like there's so many villains like, bro, I want to see Hugo Strange. Mm-hmm. I want to see like a villain that because I feel like there are so many villains. Because people rate the Joker, obviously, because he attacks Batman psychologically. But I feel like there's other villains. We, we just saw it with the Riddler. Yeah. That was an entirely psychological battle throughout the, throughout the entire yeah. film. Yeah. Um, But yeah, when it comes to just like Matt Reeves' Batman, it's just like, I just think it's it's an absolute masterpiece. It's an and, amazing film. Amazing. I couldn't I, believe people were trying to speak bad on it. But this goes back to like, and I don't, don't want to sound pretentious or condescending when it comes to like people's analysis of film. But I feel like if people aren't seeing massive explosions of flashing lights, they're not entertained. Yeah. They're not entertained. But that's my point, is that that's why you got to separate the mice from the men. When I talk about these movies, like I talk about like the movies that I would consider to be up there, like with the greatest movies of all time. There's that common theme where there's like a... There's almost like a mundanity to it. Yeah. But the beauty is in that mundanity. Mm. You get me? Like... um, for instance, The Godfather, right? Okay, there's there's violence and there's whatever. But the best scenes in that movie are conversations like this. Bro. My my favorite scene, my favorite scene in cinema ever is the opening scene is when Vito was speaking to Bonacera. That scene where Bro. it's just a conversation, but Bro. it's my favorite. I love it so Bro. much. That 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 opening shot, yeah, it's 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 everything in that, it's it's everything in that movie. It's from the conversation he has. With, but it's, in, fact, in fact, the shot doesn't start with Vito. It starts with Bonacera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vito's clouded in yeah. darkness. Then he comes into the light. And it just from from and just from the lighting of the film, and it's like, you could see just the power dynamics between yeah. the two. Him like, There's a reason why yeah, that scene from The Godfather is so imitating, mm-hmm. where it, it's so iconic, where somebody's stroking a cat, yeah. sitting on a chair, Vito Corleone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and the, the, I, even people who ain't seen The Godfather they will know. know. Yeah. They know the iconography of yeah. that film. And The Godfather, yeah. I mean, th- this is why we like, I was supposed to ask you uh, this or that, but I'll ask you, I'll ask you it after this. Cool. But there's a reason why we love full of man stories and story in, 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 in fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Vito Corleone, I mean, sorry, Michael Corleone's Fall from Grace. Mm-hmm. The man who had it, the man who Michael Corleone starts off US veteran, yeah, honorable person, mm-hmm. um, you know, completely outside of the family life. Mm-hmm. Like Vito Corleone even says to Michael, "Yo, I wanted you to be, you know, it's, it's the scene right before Vito dies, yeah, 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 where he's like, you know, I had dream, I didn't want this life for you. I wanted, you know, Councillor Corleone, Mayor Corleone, something, and it's just the fool of man. What happens when, you know, the this stuff classic saying the road tower was paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. All Michael wanted to do was save his family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then throughout the trilogy, because even the whole thing, the way his whole arc starts is because he saves his dad. Yeah, you get me. He saves Vito. That's how because he never wanted to do none yeah. of this. He was kind of forced to, in it. Then from him saving him at the hospital, everything just kind of unravels, and that's how we eventually get to. And then, get and, to. And, and, and then the, the, the trilogy is uh, it, 
it's, it's, it's a Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah. Because the man who starts the narrative trying to save his family ultimately destroys him. Yeah. Because he kills his, he kills Fredo in number two. Mm-hmm. And he's responsible for his daughter's death in number three. Yeah. And he dies. The last scene number three is him on the chair by himself dying alone. Yeah. When the whole reason he started this was to save the family. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's what you yeah. call cinema. But the thing is as well, it's also, it's also sad because it was always going to be Michael. Yeah. It was always going to be he Michael. He was the smartest. He like, was the most Sonny logical. was never going to be able to run the family. Even no. if, if Sonny didn't die the way he did, he was never going to be able to run the family because even when Sonny dies and Tom's speaking to Vito and he's like, he's like, bro, it's not your fault. And it like, you weren't a bad consigliere. Sonny was a bad Don. Like Sonny was never, ever, ever going to be able to like lead the family. Never. Too hot-headed. Too hot-headed. But then the thing is with Michael was that Michael had, he had Sonny's viciousness, but then he also had Vito's brain. You get me? So it was like he had that. But he balance. never had Vito's compassion. Yeah, that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the thing about the, the thing that separates like um, Vito from Michael is Vito because we saw it in number two. Obviously, like Michael's motivation was always to protect the family, but you even saw how he treated um, people like Fredo, mm-hmm. how he treated Tom sometimes. Yeah, Michael was so, and maybe that becomes from like him being a former soldier or, or how he treats his wife. Yeah, how he how he treats his wife. Vito, there was like, even though Vito was brutal, who's vicious, there was always a compassion yeah, 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 to yeah. Vito. And there was always a, a time and place where this is business. Mm-hmm. Michael was too ruthless. Yeah. For Vito, it always felt like Vito did everything he did out of necessity. Yes. And it was like, if I have to, if I have to, if I have to kill three people, three people will die. But Michael was like, if I have to kill three people and three hours after die, so those three people can die, then so be it. Bro, you, me? you said your favorite scene in Godfather. My favorite scene in Godfather is the ending. When when he's swearing it, when he's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's swearing, like, to renounce evil. Yeah. While he's simultaneously committing multiple assassinations. Yeah. And you just see the fool of my... He is the devil. He become, he yeah. became the devil he renounced. I'm just like, that's the beauty of cinema. Yeah. And that's why, like, to go to, to, to circle back to the original conversation we had about, like, entertainment versus, like... What you said about the lasting impression a film gives you. Mm-hmm. Like these are like these feel like parables. Yeah. These feel like I feel like a truly great film is something that I can reference in life. Bro, these are shit, this is shit you could raise your son off, bro. Bro, you can raise your son off this it, shit. It, bro. it like... feels like something <laughs> a, 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 a truly like yeah, touching bro. film. Isn't something where I say, oh, I had a good time. It's like, no, I took something yeah, from that. Yeah, yeah. I took like something yeah. about that film has stuck with mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, Do you know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why directors like Scorsese, because Scorsese is my favorite director of all time. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know what I don't know what I like more though. I think his two masterpieces, well, he's got three. He's got, I don't know if I like- What the, would you say his three masterpieces are? Goodfellas, mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. Departed. Okay, okay. I put I put okay. those as like the, as the, the Irishman didn't- nah, Didn't move me yeah, as much. Yeah, didn't move yeah, yeah, me yeah. as much. Shutter Island, I still have, that's the one I haven't, I've yet to see. I don't like Shutter Island that much. It, the yeah. movie feels like low hanging fruit. Yeah. The movie feels like low hanging fruit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, you watch it for yourself, but I'm not really a big fan yeah. of Shutter Island. I feel, but I feel, I think, no, the, my top two is out of Goodfellas and the, the yeah. uh, not the Departed, Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Goodfellas. Yeah. I think Wolf of Wall Street is a little self indulgent, yeah. a little. It is a bit. It is it's a, a bit. It's it a is little self indulgent. It is a bit. Um, but Goodfellas is another example of the fall of man as well. Yeah. It's another good example of that. 
to me, The Departed, I've listened to The Departed, my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Like, The Departed is like, I don't know, I don't know how to even put it into words, G. It's like, I can quote lines from that movie at the drop of a hat. Like, it's just so fucking That's my good. favorite Jack Nicholson performance. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I know, he's, and I know people are going to mention The Shining. They're going to mention, listen, I know. But Jack... Oh. Amazing film. I love that film so yeah. much, bro. Yeah. Is it still on Netflix? I'm going to watch it when I go home, G. I, I can't lie. I fucking love that film. I don't know if it's on Netflix. I love I that know. film. I love that film. Matt Damon's another one who's like, probably doesn't get enough um credit for his acting chops. Matt Damon's But Matt Damon can act, bro. Bro, do you know, Joe's you know low-key a star in that movie? Who? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Mark Wahlberg was amazing. Mark Wahlberg was a Wahlberg was star amazing in that, that movie. Amazing, amazing. I was digging them in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, movie's bro. fucking stacked, bro. Damon, DiCaprio, Martin Sheen, yeah. Nicholson. Um, what's her name? Vera, I forget her name. The one who plays, she plays a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah psychiatrist. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stacked. Yeah, but that movie's, stacked. That movie's, that movie's ridiculously it's stacked. It's such a good film. Even fucking Anthony Anderson's in it, bro. What do you think of Tarantino as a director? I think Tarantino... I like Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino's made some of my favorite movies ever. But there's something about Tarantino, I can't put my finger on it. He doesn't stand with the, with the, with the Giants. He doesn't. he doesn't. He doesn't stand with Scorsese and Ford. Kubrick. Um, Kubrick. Um, what's that nigga's name, man? Hitchcock. Um, what's the other one? The other one. Not, not the nonce. The other one. Um, Spielberg? Kub- no, not Kub- you said Kubrick. What's his name, man? Burton. Burton, oh, Tim but- Burton. And I would you know what is, I'd even put Tim Burton below those lot. No, I I, put- I, I, I'd put um, Tarantino for Burton. I would put, I I would think, put I them, Bur- man, then Burton, then Tarantino. I think, I think Burton is an aesthetics merchant. Oh, you think so? He's an aesthetics merchant. But aesthetics ain't easy to get right. No, it's not, but... I'm not going to say he's, he's Zack Snyder, but Zack Snyder is someone who gets aesthetics perfectly right. Yeah. But... I think Bert, don't about Burton's got great like hits like Edward Scissorhands and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe it's me because I'm angry that there's no black people in this movie. But that's it. Maybe maybe I'm just. <laughs> I've never noticed that. You... There's none. And I, I don't know. Joe is Joe is. I'm not somebody who like um capes for like representation everywhere in it. Yeah. But somebody asked him the question. And he was like, I just don't think black people would fit in my aesthetic. What aesthetic? It's yeah. it's, it's, it's 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 gothic. Yeah, it's not like you're making a period piece set in, yeah. in 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 1940s England where there's cool. For example, The Departed. I don't want representation there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in Boston. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see Mandem there. But that's just mm-hmm. my little Tim Burton rant. But back to the nah. To, I hear um, you. I hear you. I like Tarantino. Tarantino. Reservoir Dogs. You talk about favorite scenes. That opening scene in Reservoir Dogs when they're talking about tipping. Yeah. Is listen me. I'm a writer, innit? And if you ever read any anything of any of what I write, I'm heavy on dialogue. So my favorite scenes in film are always scenes where it's just dialogue. So that opening scene when they're just talking about tipping, and um, I forget the colors, but Steve Buscemi's character's like, yeah, I don't tip. And they're like, what do you mean you don't? And they're going back and forth about, like, I love that scene. Bro, love that. From bro, like a purist dialogue perspective, one of my favorite scenes I always scenes think ever. about Pulp Fiction. Everyone does the Samuel Jackson scene where, you know, um, you know, they speak English and what? That, that's a yeah. great scene. My favorite pop, one of my favorite Pulp Fiction scenes is when, um, it's um, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta mm-hmm. in, in the um, in the diner, and they're talking about um, why he doesn't eat pigs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah pigs yeah. are dirty ass animal. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you you eat dog. You like dogs? <laughs> yeah, I do like dogs. Dogs are filthy too. Yeah, they ain't, ain't as filthy as a pig. It's just that just that dialogue yeah, back yeah, and yeah. forth from Tarantino. But yeah. sometimes I feel, I feel like when Tarantino's at his best, it's powerful. But sometimes I feel like that dialogue. For example, I love Pulp Fiction. Yeah. What? What was the reason of Tarantino inserting himself 
in that movie as the character that says dead nigga storage. You can cut that. And the thing is, I think self-indulgence. And the thing is, what they what they said like in, in film school was every scene needs to push the plot forward. And that yeah. scene, that scene did because obviously he was the person that they went to to get rid of the body. Mm -hmm. It did not need to go that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did self indulgence. Not, self indulgence. Yeah, self -indulgence. And, that, and, that's, and, and, and that's the thing I've always respected about Scorsese when it comes mm -hmm. to himself. Yeah. The restraint. Yeah. I think Wolf of Wall Street was a bit indulgent, but mm -hmm. I think for the narrative they were trying to tell, they kind of got away with it. Yeah. But I think Jordan Belfort is a bit too likable. Mm -hmm. A bit too likable. But. Is that a bad thing? Yeah. Why do you think so? I think. I, Jordan Belfort's supposed to be charismatic. No, I understand for the narrative, he's supposed to be absolutely charismatic. Mm hmm. But I don't think people... One thing about Wolf of Wall Street, I don't think pe people don't come across... From what I see when people like take what they take away from the movie, they don't deep that this guy finessed innocent people. Yeah. They deep that, oh, this guy got bagged by feds. Mm -hmm. They don't deep that... Do you think the, the wrong message is what comes out? Yeah, I feel yeah. like people like... And, and I get... Um, why, why why we're supposed to buy into the lifestyle that Jordan Belford lives. We're supposed to like be swindled by the glamour, by the by, by the money to see what motivates him. That's, I agree yeah. with that. But then it's like that the fool wasn't, and I know Jordan, the, the, like we're not supposed to sympathize with Jordan Belford. And I feel like a lot of people come, come out of that movie thinking like, ah, oh, Jordan Belford was a guy, you know? And it's yeah. like, you're not supposed, I don't like, so when I look at Godfather, I look at Michael Corleone. Yeah, I rate some of the. I rate his mastermind. I rate. I yeah. rate how much of a master. But I don't look at Michael Corleone saying, "I want to be him." Yeah, I feel like from what what people take away from Wolf of Wall Street. Do you feel like is, any of the brothers are sympathetic? Who? Even, even do you think like so? Let's say if we go Vito, Sonny, um, Fredo, and Fredo. Michael. I think Fredo. Fredo's Fredo very. Don't get me wrong. He's a snitch. Absolutely. I snitch. think Vito, and only because of the circumstances of which Sonny died. Sonny. Yeah. Only because of the circumstances of his death. Sonny he was, was on his way to protect his sister. He's a hothead, though. He is a hothead. He's and an that's how they got him. That's how they got him, though. They knew he would react. They knew he would react. The reason and he would why go I sympathize with Fredo the most, yeah. He snitched, though, man. He snitched. No, he snitched. But he was treated with utter disrespect. Yeah. Consistently. The only person that ever, like, saw him as valuable was Vio. Yeah. And that's why Vio okay, was able to keep, keep him in check. Yeah. Because I remember it was like, I remember the scene in Godfather 1 where um, it was the Mo Green scene. Yeah. Where, you know, where... Um, at the end? No, no, it was like towards the middle of the movie where it was yeah. like, it was like, um, it was Fredo, uh, Michael, but, oh, and well, Michael Green. goes to go see him. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. You don't disrespect a man like Mo Green like yeah. that. And then Michael's like, disrespect the family again, I'll kill, like, never do that again. Yeah. And I get where Michael's coming from. But it's the coldness of Michael where v, the reason why Fredo left the family is because he felt like an imbecile. And he was one. He was, he was one of the imbeciles. He was an imbecile. Proper like, imbecile. Proper imbecile. But that's why V.O. was such a great... Because V.O. always knew how to make everyone yeah, feel... Yeah, he knew about the push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People loved V.O. They feared Michael. Yeah. They didn't. They never loved. Yeah. Nobody loved Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a single person loved Michael. They just feared him. There's a there's a there's a quote from one of my favorite episodes of a podcast ever. Yeah, it's Big Body Best on Tax Stone's podcast. Yeah, and he said he said look he said this he said at the end of the day we're gonna be aggressive, but we're also gonna be compassionate. Yeah, and that's the way you have to live your life. You have to have that compassion. You get me? And you're right. Michael never had that compassion because because we go back to the opening scene you talk about mm -hmm. right where um. What's the guy's Bonacera. name? Bonacera. Well, Bonacera comes to Vito. 
VO's speech is so important and, mm-hmm. it's, and it, it caps, captures the character. He said, you came to me as the... Do- you didn't come... You, you don't even offer me a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You don't even ask me to be your friend. Yeah. It's all about relationship. Yeah. Of, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Vito's, a, Vito's not a saint. He's a mafia boss. At the yeah, end of the yeah. day, he's a mafia boss. Right, let's call it spade a spade. I'm not yeah. saying he's a saint. But with Vito, it was always about relationship. Why didn't he get to the drop? And, and, and he's also, like, why didn't you come to me first? The wh- first thing he says to him. Why didn't you come to me why, first? Why didn't you come to me first? Why did you go to the police? That's the first thing he said to him. And you ask it and you come to me. You, you, he says, you, you don't come for justice. You came for murder. Yeah, he was like, this is not justice. Your daughter's still alive. Yeah. And and, and, and the thing for Vito is like, you're treating me like I'm some, like I'm the scum of the earth. And, yeah. probably, and you know, he's a mafia boss. Like, yeah. yeah Fairs. But for him, it was all about my relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Even the reason why, um, the reason why Barzini and them want to assassinate you because he doesn't want to get into the drug game. Yeah, why? Because yeah. it's a dirty business. Exactly, exactly. Because, okay, money, gambling, um, prostitution, yeah. alcohol. Yes, those are bad things. Alcohol, yeah. But those are vices that people choose of their own willing, of their own choosing. Like you yeah. can choose to gamble, that's whatever. Drugs, it's a dirty business. Yeah, yeah. Vito and that's was... the thing. It's like what I like about that is that when we have these gangster movies or whatever, however we do them, whether it's a Godfather or whether it's a Paid in Full, we never have that moment of of self awareness from the from the dealer or the criminal that drugs is more than just drugs. It's the p- people it affects and this and that. You never have that realization where Vito always had that foresight of that's a dirty business. I don't yeah. want to get involved in that. You get me? Speaking of so so we speaking of I was gonna do some of this or all, but power snowfall. Snowfall, easy, easy, yeah. easy, 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 I, easy, I, I, easy, easy. I, I, I don't see how you can compare the two. Easy. I don't think- I think Power is literally, and I'm sorry, again, maybe I sound like a pretentious film critic, of, of, um, Power is literally a lot of people's power fantasy. Boom! I feel like a lot of people come from, well, come out of Power with the same criticism I had about Jordan Belfort, be like, I want it, ooh, Tariq's so cold. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. are so cold. And it's like, don't get me wrong. We all have those moments of like, oh, God, that was a brilliant chess move. That was. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying people should watch like these shows of utter contempt for the characters, but it's like, what? Yes, power was a fall of man story, but not really. Like, what did that come from? Power mm-hmm. learning. Nothing. What did I take away from power? I watched the first three seasons of Power, or first four seasons, and I was like, I can't lie. I feel like I'm. I'm. This is making me dumb. I feel dumb. Like this is just not, it's not good to me. It's like they got, it's to me, it's like they got the plot of The Wire or like a very, very good gangster show and gave it to the Hollyoaks writers and was like, yo, do something with this. And they came out of power. Because, because here's the thing. Snowfall, I'm, I'm, I know the ending of Snowfall, but I'm, I'm on the last season right mm. now. Franklin is an absolute villain. Yeah. But the thing I talk, I, 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 I come from looking at Snowfall from is the fucking CIA. Yeah. When we talk about and obviously, like, there are a lot of people that, you know, from the area of um, Los Angeles during the crack era mm-hmm. that will have more insight than me when it comes to, like, how the government flooded the industry. But it's like, with, with Snowfall, what I, what I said about Gotham, I have an understanding of hierarchy. I have an understanding of, okay, how do the drugs... How do the drugs that Franklin's pumping directly affect the community? It's not just it's not just saying drugs are bad. Yeah. We see it in cats like Wanda. Yeah. We see the direct impact Franklin is having on the community and how it's a systematic thing. Like, again, I think Snowfall is more than just a drug show. Mm-hmm. It's a show it's about a social, social yeah. 
about social dynamics and mm-hmm. social hierarchy and structure, about how this thing really starts from the top down. They were using drug money to fund their own personal war mm-hmm. and they were using the citizens of Los Angeles as basically cannon fodder yeah. indirectly. And Franklin was a victim of that. And Franklin mm. is also a victim of like the lack of educational opportunities provided to black men in the 80s. It's like, I'm coming from power. I'm coming from snowfall with so many under different interpretations, the understanding of like, not only the real world we live in, but the world they live in. Yeah. With power, I'm just seeing man them saying, yo, hey, Tariq is cheating. Bad things, you know. <laughs> rotted, rotted. Ghosters are bad. Wow, do you see what? Fam, I feel like I'm watching Love and Hip Hop because half of the clips you men are talking about are either, hey, what ghosted Tatasha is about. Fam, is, is, am I watching Power or Love and Hip Hop? Am I watching Ghost or Peter Guns, fam? Yeah, like, nah, like, what am I watching? Like, bro. Do you know what it is? It's all of power. And I'm going to say this. And I, I saw it the other day. Sex scenes, to me, are like, not necessary. I disagree. Okay, let me rephrase that. I've never seen when that's been necessary. In in like, I rarely see that necessary. It's like, in power, why you need a sex scene every episode? You're not pushing the plot forward, right? Like for instance, the book, I, book I'm reading, I'm reading Open Water, right? Amazing book. There's a, there's a sex scene in that, but the sex scene actually serves a purpose. Yeah. I don't need to see Ghost whapping out Angela every episode. Yeah. If you want to show it once to show that unity, fine. Yeah. I don't need to see them whapping out six, seven times a season. It's not bring, it's, you get me? Self is again a self indulgence. Yeah, I feel like the, there are points where sex scenes are necessary. Yeah. Um, just to like, for example, like um, this is a manga reference, but there's a manga called Berserk. There's a sex scene in it, and one of the one of the main characters, like um, you know, had like um, got had um sexual assault done to him when he was a young child, yeah. right? So in the sex scene, he's the first time being sleeping with a woman. He breaks down and cries. Yeah. And it breaks down the crowd because this is the first time he's experienced yeah. actual intimacy yeah. with actual somebody. So that's somewhere where sex. Have scene... you seen the first season of Becky? Yeah. So even when he has sex, and yeah. it makes him stronger. Okay, yeah. it's it's stupid. It's stupid, as but far. at least it's, it's a plot device. It's a plot device. It's a plot device. And, and also, I feel like in, in terms of like the vis- like the visuals of of like bringing two characters together romantically. Yeah. Something like, you know, a sex scene can be like a satisfying, you yeah. know, no pun intended climax yeah. to the scene. Um, but even like Power, the first episode where Tasha's fingering herself in the back of the cab. Come on, bro. I get that to a degree. That one doesn't bother me. That one, though, that one is a dot, but that one doesn't bother me because it it's indicative of what Tasha's character is. Yeah. yeah that one doesn't bother me. Yeah. But it'll just be random sexy. For example, yeah. I bet there's an episode um where I think Ghost was Ghost slept with um either a council like later on his a councilwoman or whatever. Yeah. Um it was like she was an older woman and he was sleeping with her basically to like um get a one-up um on some like government projects he was doing. Yeah. The scene is ghost whacking around like what I'm just like, bro, all you need to show me is them lips in and then next scene is them in the sheets. Yeah. The com- the message is communicated. Yeah. That's very my point. Clearly. You can do that. I don't need to see them. I don't need to see fucking Angela riding him pause and his face is all like I don't need to see that bro. Like I don't need to see nah indulgence <laughs> bro fucking indulgence. Self-indulgence is killing black people and Tarantino. But yeah, yeah, but, but um, know, before we wrap up, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to have, obviously I've I've seen you know I did I, I haven't responded to any of these tweets on Twitter. Go on. What's your issue with Dave? Oh, I don't have an issue with Dave. Bro. Okay. I just don't think he's very good. I don't have an. <laughs> but I, I, I don't I, think I, he's very good. I don't think he's very good. Um, 
And what I what bothers me the most about people who I don't think are good as their fans, it's because you're telling me like, I remember seeing a tweet. I, you know what? I told you, I do have a slight agenda on. I'll tell you exactly why. I remember seeing a tweet when he dropped that How I Met My Ex song or whatever. And someone was like, this is as good as Stan. This is as good as Rewind My no. Nas. And I think from then it just twisted something in my brain where I was like, I, yeah, listen, all jokes aside though, I just don't think he's as good as everyone thinks he is. I think... I don't have an, I don't have an issue with him. I don't know him to have an issue with him. I just don't think he's very good. It's the same way I don't think... There's a lot of rappers who I don't think are very good. I don't have an issue with them. You want to name them? <laughs> I will be clipping this. I'm I don't saying, think... You know, I, listen, okay... <laughs> I don't think H is very good. Okay. I've got nothing against H. Like I say, I don't I don't know these people, innit? Yeah. I don't think he's very good. And even not even just in the UK. I don't think Lil Baby's very good. I don't think like these other guys people listen to, like guys like um like Playboy Carty and is guys that because like I, I just don't think they're very is good. Is that because respectfully you're a lyrical miracle nigga? I'm not. This is what people always say. No, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a lyrical. I'm not a lyrical miracle nigga. If I go on my, this is what I say. If I go on my Spotify, yeah, and stream my most listened to, you're gonna be mad shocked. Everyone's like, "Whoa, like, what are you doing listening to that?" Like, I was in the fucking gym the other day listening to Five Seconds of Summer, and my friend saw my phone and was like, yeah. "Why are you listening to that?" And I was like, "Gee, yeah. I listen to it. like yeah. people think I listen to this fucking lyrical, nah, bro." But I do have one thing to say on the, on the subject of music as we're here, yeah, because it came up the other day that um. Kendrick apparently said that it took him a year to write a single about me. Yeah? yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Whoever you want to consider to be this generation of like rappers, yeah. they don't have a song better than that. So what, conceptually? Just in just in general. Yeah. They don't have a song better than that. But for me, Sing About Me is the best hip hop song of this generation. Whenever you want to say Kendrick's generation started, mm. if you want to say, if you still want to consider this Kendrick generation, sure. Let's say his, 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 his era started from like 2009, 10 to now. You can't find me a better hip hop song than that. And I could even push it back further than that. You have to go back 20 some years to find a better song to sing about me, in my opinion. Seeing as we're on the subject, if I'm going to leave you a little bit of a hot take in it. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what, that's what I'm going to say. Okay, listen, Kendrick to me, like, he's, 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 my, he's my favorite artist of all time. Mm. My favorite artist currently is, well, he's, you know what it is? My favorite artist, my favorite artist currently just disgraced himself on Twitter all the time, Freddie Gibbs. Oh, oh, oh he needs to allow me, man. He needs to allow me, but he makes good projects, yeah. isn't it? But uh, he disgraced himself. I'm a big fan of Freddie Gibbs as well, I can't lie. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Freddie Gibbs. Big, Great big rapper. fan of Freddie Great Gibbs. Great rapper. But um, here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. And, and this goes, uh, again, this goes to the, I'm sorry, Drake stands. You're going to have to, I don't, I don't care. This is the problem, yeah, with, with Drake has an approach to music, which I just fundamentally disagree with. And, mm. it's, the, and it's the mass flooding it of music it's what drake will do and and cool credit to him keeps himself relevant yeah he keeps himself like he's he's like he's he's rapper who i want to say reinvents himself but tweaks aspects of his career to stay within the times yeah but i think he's artistically bankrupt at the moment i think yeah, drake but he is knows it works though i feel like because i feel like Drake's always had his critics and haters from yeah. the beginning, but I was a Drake fan, right? Yeah. And I know it's 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 not an original take to be like, I like this rapper back in the day, so on and so forth. But the problem with Drake right now, it just feels like he's flooding the market. It's pumping content for the sake of pumping content. And I right now, this is this is how the this is how every Drake album release goes. He'll release a song. What um right now last year was Champagne Poetry, this year was AAM and whatever, Calabasas, Nebraska, whatever it was this year. Caption music. It'll be popping on TikTok. 
It'll be popping mm-hmm. on social media. We'll get gas. We'll be like, Drake's gonna come with another one. Look yeah. at this song, it's blowing. That's right? the man we're trying to. He dropped that, and niggas were saying, "Yo, he can bar better than Kendrick." I'm so, like, bro, do you know who Kendrick is, bro? Uh, I, I never entertain no conversations. Those conversations are silly. But I'm, I'm thinking, alright, cool. The product will drop. There'll be two weeks of there'll, there'll be two weeks of delusion. Two weeks of niggas lying to themselves saying this product is great. Third week. You know what, this Drake project weren't it? I can't lie. You man did it with Scorpion. Mm-hmm. You man did it with Certified Love Boy. did it Boy. with More Life. You did it with More Life, and now you're doing it with this project. I've, I, I know the Drake cycle very well. What Drake, what Drake will do, he will entice you with that single. Mm-hmm. Because I will say this, as somebody who just makes singles, Drake's one of the best hip-hop scene. Yeah. Just as making a single... But a cohesive project that's gonna have staying power. He's always and struggled with that. Me. Yeah, bro. I like, bro. Since nothing was the same for me, people like views, and I get why people like views because views felt like the soundtrack of of twenty sixteen, which yeah. is uh, in Twitter folklore the greatest summer of all time. It's not look for me anyway. It was in, my in, in Twitter summer. folklore yeah. that's the greatest summer of all time. I get it. That's the that was the number one soundtrack of that year. Yeah, so yeah. I will give you man views, even though I don't agree with you. I'll give yeah. you views. If you're reading this, is too late. It's a very good project. It's his last great project. That's his last great project. It's Since been eight then, years. It's been eight years, bro. It's we, been eight we, years. Like we have I was to, in sixth form when he dropped that. We have to have I'm like, 27 real conversations. Week. I'm 27 next week. I was in sixth form when he dropped that. That's how long it's been. And you, and you man, bring back to you, you mentioned Sing About Me. 2012. Yeah. We are in- We're still speaking two, about that song. We are a decade removed and the, and the, and how that song resonates with yeah. you. Bro, how, how albums like Good Kid Mad City to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. Damn, I'm Luke Hormon, but I like, but, but Damn's got- Hits. Yeah. But those two albums specifically resonate with people. That's bro. what I'm saying. Cause even when I when I listen to Good Kid Mad City, it's like because my thing is this, yeah. When I listen to music, more, more than anything, when I listen to music, bro, I'm listening to music and I'm like, when I'm listening to this rapper or this or this singer do what they're doing, are they is is the attention I'm paying to their music relative to the amount of effort they put into making this? Yeah. When I'm listening to Hotline Bling, no, there's no, there's no effort there, and I know it's still, it's still hanging fruit. Drake does have more, quote unquote, meaningful songs than that. But for the sake of argument, when I listen to a song like Sing About Me, I listen to um, Art of Peer Pressure. Mm-hmm. I listen to um, The Black of the Berry. Yeah, I'm like, bro, like, this is where you can hear it in his voice, where it's like, bro, he is putting his fucking heart and soul into this music. But, Do you understand what I'm saying? But even just the concept like, like cool like the concepts of div- I know people talk about to be butterflies conceptual and uh, and the thing is I love to be butterfly but I understand for lack of a better term why that scares the holes. I, yeah, I completely it Bro, understand it's, 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 it's New Japan. Yeah, it's yeah. New Japan. It's I, New Japan. I completely understand. It's New Japan. It's 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 it's, it's, it's Kenny Omega and Okada wrestling for an hour. <laughs> not everyone can sit there and, and I get it. No one, everyone can for sit the, there and watch that. All you have no idea who Atlas is talking about. I'm saying we're wrestling fans. Yeah, and it was always going to come they up. They are but, too obscure wrestlers. Yeah, they are too like, like niche wrestlers that wrestles in Japan. Like, my thing is like, listen, bro. Like you can stick on. You can stick on the Rock and 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 Steve Austin having a 20 minute match and everyone's going to watch it and they can digest it. Now I tell you, sit here and watch this Okada match for an hour. I understand how you're not going to be able to process that. Yeah. The same way I can tell you, to, I, you can put on Drake's, you can put on Drake's bubblegum rap and whatever and you can digest that. But I'm like, cool, listen to this album, this conceptually amazing album about black people and what it means to be a black man in America, right? And it's not easy, I get it, but you have to be able to, you have to be willing to put in that time to sit there and digest it, to appreciate how good it is. Do you know what I mean? I didn't like to pin Buffalo when it first came out, but I wasn't. Neither I, did I. And 
I wasn't ready for it. Neither was I. I wasn't ready I, for neither it. Neither was I. I wasn't ready neither for it. I. I was not ready for that project. And yeah. I feel like a project is at its best when I can sit and marinate with it and it grows with me over time. And now, to be on Butterfly, I love, but I was going to go back to Good Kid, Mad City. Mm. But that album, the what I, t- I don't, t- obviously, to make a good song is to make a good song because I'm not going to sit here and say a music is always conceptual or all about lyricism. Yeah. Hi, Eminem, take the message. But, um, you have to make good music, but what I love about Good Kid, Bad City is that I've never been to Compton. I've never lived in Compton, but when I listen to Good Kid, Bad City, I have an I, I take a I take a piece of Compton mm-hmm, with me. Mm-hmm. I have an understanding of how Kendrick grew up. I have an yeah. understanding of how the man them in, in, in Compton grew up. I have an understanding of the mentality that these men have yeah. through the different songs, and these yeah. songs take me on an absolute yeah. journey. And when you listen to it, do you not feel like? The amount of effort and time and elbow grease he put into the album like comes out of it. For sure. The voicemails, the this, the that, the 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 the, the density of the songs. You not feel like, bro, this is something where Kendrick was like, I want people to hear this. Yes. You get me? And I to a lesser degree, because it's nowhere near as good, my crazy life by YG. Mm. I don't know if you've heard it, but heard it, yeah. to a lesser degree. It came out like a year after Good Kid Mad City. First. It's it's a similar kind of vibe. But YG's on the other side, mm. where he's the criminal. You get me? But it's a similar, similar kind of conceptual. So if you've not heard, if you've not heard my crazy life, listen to my crazy life. Got you, man. Got you. But bro, Atlas, we appreciate you having Pleasure, on the man. show, man. We're, we're, we're definitely gonna do this again, yeah, but, man. Because there was so many t- though I think the next time I have you on, I'm gonna we're gonna talk some real R and B stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, just, you know. Good conversation flows, time runs out in it. But yeah, um, man. yeah, man, tell the people where they can find you and what you got going on, man. Um, yeah, so obviously AOT Pod. Um, you can find me at, at Atlas AS on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm, I've got my own TikTok properly or anything like that just yet. But yeah, man, that's where you can find me on um Twitter and Instagram. Look up for AOT Pod. That's the same across all platforms, wherever you want to find us. But yeah, man, we should have an episode dropping in a in a couple of next week, some point we'll have an episode out. Dope, 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 yeah. dope, dope, man. Obviously, um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at NKPreach. Um, yeah, like we said in the podcast, be warned, disclaimer, there is a lot of wrestle talk. I'm so sorry. Uh, but you know, make sure to follow the rare podcast on all social media platforms. By the time this comes out, you know, you'll see us posting more often. Uh, but yeah, man, this has been the rare podcast. Make sure you like, share, comment, and subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Thank you. Oh, <laughs>